If somebody refuses to provide that and say, no, authority figure said it, they're probably wrong. Hello and welcome to episode number 47 of Grumpy Old Pens. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America just outside of Chirac where the impeachment is going on but nobody really cares. And from America's left coast where the only rational healthcare decision is to don't get sick. Well yeah but everybody gets sick. I mean look at China man. Well no people aren't rational we know that. This is true. It's, I was really I was going to ask you is the subject of the topic of this grumpy old Benz, is it healthcare or is it health scare? Which one are we really talking about or both? What's the difference? Kind of the same. They're, they're, I mean, they are kind of the same thing. Progo it, in, the, in the troll room says the intro sound sucks. So I guess that means we're doing good. Well, it, it triggers my cat, but at least I'm wearing headphones this time. <laughs> um, the, the healthcare, healthcare news is nothing but health scare. You should know that by now. Yes. Well, uh, yeah. Because yeah. I, I first, I first heard about this coronavirus, which is the big thing that's in the news today. Uh, yesterday morning, I got up and I saw one story about it, and the reason I saw the story was that the first case in America, because of course, if it hadn't come to America, nobody would give a crap, at least not Amer on American news, uh, because they're like, oh, there's China, and Chinas are just you know die dying and. And China does have some some cultural issues that lead to the spread of infection very quickly. One of them being they have too damn many people packed into their cities. But this virus, which has apparently been freaking out people in China for a week, and they're like now quarantining half their population or something, came Wait. to the U.S. yesterday morning. And the reason I found out about it was on a local news station because the person who flew in from China came to seattle and then was living in in my city and he is currently about three quarters of a mile from me at a hospital and i have reason to believe that they know how to handle infection but yeah i had I actually had somebody go oh my god it's in snohomish county can are are you okay i'm like I, what are you <laughs> talking about of course i'm okay i mean people That's, aren't dying in the streets left and right no. i was hoping to get a boots on the ground so, uh, so that was the only story i'd heard about it was a local story until you know then it popped up on no agenda yesterday and then now it's every fucking story in the news and, well because this, it's this good for the drug came out too they're coming after you next well yeah in chicago well, any major airport this is the world that we live in now that travel is easy enough that people travel sick and diseases pass from one person to another so having a anything like well, this that they, can stay quarantined in at one city or one area i don't think that's ever going to really happen the, again the way they pack people like cordwood on these planes if if you're not sick when you start traveling you probably will be by the end regardless well that is true and we talked about that on the air travel episode because nobody likes air travel the the weird i mean the thing when you read the stories in china is the only thing that is slightly concerning is talk of a massive cover-up. They weren't reporting the numbers. And when you read things like they're quickly building a hospital to house like a thousand people for 
just this. I, I think the the word you're looking for is concentration camp. Kind of because that, it's like just throw a ball in one place. Is supposed to be somewhere that you go to get health care. I think at this point the the Chinese authorities. I mean, they consider the people in China to just be one of their natural resources that they they can use or squander as necessary. It's you know, it's like this this pork flu that's been going around in China for uh, a couple of years now. Where the any time that there's one case of porcine flu in a farm, they're just like the the government will go in and order all the pigs slaughtered. I, I think that we're probably only a couple steps away from doing that to their cities. Well, it's interesting because their cities are huge, and everybody is walking around with masks on. Which I mean, really, that's the business to be in is making the masks to uh, wear over your face. I mean, you could re- really, really overcharge for those right now in China. And uh, these well, kind of like a couple of years ago when the business to be in was iodine. Well, well, this is very similar to the, the virus is very similar to the SARS virus. And people remember that. And it's yeah. really just a unless I'm missing something. This is just a slightly more intense flu like disease. For, for, yeah. No, for for 90 percent of people, what this is, is it's the common cold. It, it's like different virus causing it. And but but your symptoms for 90 percent of people are it's the common cold. It's and, just the really young, really old. If you have a bad immune system, this yeah. is where the stuff gets bad. Yeah. And, and that's always true with every illness. The, the the common cold goes around. The flu goes around. And for most people, uh, you shouldn't even like. You shouldn't even really need a flu shot most of the time because for most people, you're going to get the flu and then you'll get over it. I've done that several times on this podcast and I whined about it every time. It made great content. <laughs> you thought it made great content. But sniffling into the microphone is always good, clean fun. But I mean, that's the interesting thing when you look at this. I mean, it's you see numbers and I think it was on Drudge, one of the other news sites where it's like, oh, Somebody ran a simulation, and this could mean like 65 million people dead. And it's like, well, yeah, I can run a simulation that says is, is anything. This the same, is this the same kind of simulation that says that, that sea levels are going to rise 100 meters by 2030? Probably. We're all going to be swimming in 25 minutes. Get your, uh, get, what do they call the big flippers? We need flippers and uh, wetsuits so we can live happily here in Chicago once Lake Michigan just actually the the elevation where i'm sitting right now i think 100 meters um i'd be pretty much waterfront property well that's pretty nice that'd be more expensive the the only road that accesses my house of course goes would go down into the water so i'd have a boat ramp but not much else (laughs) yeah but just get a boat then that's all you need no you don't want to just get a boat that would be an easy solution yeah we actually used to have a boat and it would keep that all of the viruses away. There. No, that, that still wouldn't keep the viruses away. No, no we actually, we would go out in, on the river in the sun and, and drink Bud Light because it's uh, it, it, American piss water beer. Um, it, the only place that it's appropriate to drink that is on the boat in the hot sun because it doesn't taste much worse than the river water and it is slightly more hydrating. That's not right, but. The, when it comes down to these diseases, a lot of people, this, a number that I see thrown around every now and then, especially by people that are uh, pro Second Amendment, are the fact of how many people are killed in the United States every year by gun violence, and then how many are killed by the flu. This isn't something okay. the left is going to pull out. A lot of people die every year from just the regular flu. 
Yeah, well, a lot of people die from regular violence every year. The term gun violence is already a loaded term. Like hate arson? It's something like that, yes. I do hate arson. Not a fan. Unless I'm the one setting things on fire and it's something I don't like, but... And that happens a lot in Australia for some reason. I don't know why there's a bunch of arsonists, except I think you just keep pointing out it was a penal colony, so, you know, the, the DNA like could be criminal. Penile? Yeah, that's... Uh, okay. I think you're just taking this in the wrong direction. But when it comes to healthcare, these things, of course, having a big coronavirus come out is makes great news. It gets people scared. I mean, except it really doesn't change any habits. I mean, for the people in China, it does because they're being quarantined. But the city of Seattle, yeah, the city the, of the Chicago, habits the habits they're changing in China are are they're trying to go to the next town over for groceries or to visit somebody and having people with guns tell you, no, I'm sorry, you can't leave this neighborhood anymore. Well, yeah, because you got to keep that disease in check. I mean, but I heard the other day who was uh, who was talking about this. It had to be on the no agenda stream about just how dirty the the people in China are when it comes to they just cough and they don't cover their yeah, mouths. This, this and- was actually in a note to no agenda yesterday. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's exactly where you're right. See, I was it, trying to trying to. It, do it actually confirms issues. something that I've heard from people who've gone to China is is the culture is not They're, the culture doesn't put as much emphasis on hygiene as in America. I mean, you know, in America, if if you cough into the air and there's you know nobody in that direction for four feet, uh, everybody around you is gonna be like, cover your mouth when you cough. And in China, if somebody coughs directly in your face, that's apparently a sign of infection. Or, uh, well, I, said, I meant affection, but yes. Right. It's the affection for infections. It's, it's a sign of infection for sure. So they're not germaphobes. That's the no. Law. That's, uh, and, and while you might argue that Americans are way too freaked out about germs because, of course, our media is constantly telling us that, you know, there's there's one person somewhere in your state that has measles and therefore you're all dead. Um, uh, that, that was last year's story uh but in china they don't have the media constantly trying to freak them out about every single little virus and every single thing but at the same time they're i mean i, I think they're kind of swinging the other direction on that pendulum because th- there are some basic things like uh you know cough into your arm or uh cover your mouth or uh don't wipe your snot on the person next to you that that they might try to integrate integrate into their culture and they have a lot of markets and stuff i guess where animals and people and the animals are also intermingling with the people and that also causes issues and this they're thinking now that this actually started with snakes is the uh is the thinking right now is that's where this virus actually started from and we've seen as you said the you had the swine flu you've had the avian flu that. So how do you think that happened? Do you think that somebody was like sitting there kissing their snake or have or having it cough on them or maybe? I mean, that's an interesting thing when you look at animals and the way people and animals intermingle and it's a it's an interesting concept to me. I mean, there are some people who are totally germaphobes, don't even want to touch animals, and then you have people that are like, "No, no, my reptile dog, whatever it is, is so clean he can sleep on my face when I'm asleep." You know, I mean, that's this is the kind of thing that. Uh, well, you're you're talking to somebody who has animals sleep on his face. 
It, it's not like I say they can do it or anything. They just do it. They own the house. You know that. They just show up. And as of yet, you haven't gotten the uh, you haven't gotten the kitty virus. Well, I no, but <laughs> thanks to seasonal allergies, I do get sniffles and stuffy nose and many other cold symptoms. But that's that's not actually a virus. That's called. I probably shouldn't be breathing their fur. Well, yeah, just to shave them. That'll go very well. DC girl in the troll room at noagenestream.com says that MERS actually started with camels. So see, a lot of these, a lot of these diseases start with animals. So I'm thinking we should just eradicate all animals and the, uh, the human race would be much better off. Just yeah, but that only, that only fixes one of the problems plaguing the human race if you actually want to eradicate all problems with the human race there's a really simple way to do it and that is eradicate all humans well there was a guy that wanted to do that as well uh, elon musk's ai is is working on that problem right now but when it comes to one of these outbreaks like this what is the bottom line is it just when it comes to the media and we know the media is corrupt we know the media is biased but why is this i was i keep waiting for one of these stories to be tied to climate change because it has to it has to be tied to that well obviously climate change is the reason why there are viruses in the world right because if that just started if the climate had never changed from uh, a ball of inhospitable molten rock into something that life could form on there would be no viruses i mean that's simple evolution pure logic yeah not very helpful but simple somebody has to tie it to that because i don't understand what the big story i mean are they do they really believe they're warning people in random city in the united states that they should take precautions because i really don't think even you're seeing the stories of one or two people coming in with this it's still something that you have to have interpersonal contact with the person that has the disease i mean and i understand these things can spread fairly quickly and maybe this is just the case of you know if you start feeling sick maybe go to the doctor right away rather than which of course is just going to overload the doctors which is maybe no that's that's actually a terrible idea um here's here's the easiest way to do it if you start feeling sick don't go out and infect other people uh it it's kind of the the advice that nobody ever followed um but the advice always given at microsoft when when we whenever there was a cold going around was if you feel sick stay home work from there now nobody ever followed that advice because of the course the culture was you can't work from home you have to show up you have to be at every one of your meetings and if you don't you will be penalized because your project will be behind schedule so of course everybody would always come in when they were sick because they had work to do and the company didn't really make a lot of allowances for that but that was still the advice and it's good advice is if you're sick stay the fuck home stay there until you're not sick anymore if you can work remotely great if you're in a job where you can't work remotely then you need to you know try to find a way to get paid anyway which could involve larceny but um (laughs) i'm not actually proposing anything illegal well americans get sick days so but most of the time you want to take those to do something when you're not sick and they want to use them as vacation days but that's another matter altogether progo does point out that there's the other angle which is china just lost control of a biological weapon experiment and uh 
and this is the result, which is always where these things are going to point when you have well, a cover-up to begin. Yeah. My, my recent experience in Hawaii gave me evidence that uh, Chinese people are a biological weapon. <laughs> they have lots of germs. But yeah, they're, yeah, they are all over the place. If I may, um, I don't mean to stereotype an entire culture, but I'm going to do it just for the purpose of, of making radio. Uh, when I was down in Hawaii, you know, there's certain norms and uh, things that people tend to understand. Like uh, if you go to a beach, uh, acknowledge that there are other people using the beach and don't do what you can to fuck up their experience. Um, and and for the most part, most of the, well, I was going to say white people, but, you know, most of the American type people who were all bright red when they were down there, um, were, were generally okay. They, they would, uh, you know, they would take up their little spot on the beach. They would do their thing. They, they didn't actually go out and try to ruin anyone else's experience. Um, and then the, the people on the beach who were always causing problems were, by and large look chinese and and this is anecdotal and i'm not trying to stereotype of people but they did it and they would go through and uh you know they'd run right through the middle of our camp like i'd be sitting there next to my wife and they'd just run between us across our towel kicking sand uh they would you know that there would be uh you'd go to to use the bathroom for changing or something and and there would be a, a huge group of them who were just gathered right around the door blocking everything in and they didn't care like if you could ask them to move they didn't they they just stare at you like you were talking some language they didn't speak might have been true yeah you might have been (laughs) but uh, are you pretty i uh, i i feel really bad for stereotyping people but oh and then you know the the lifeguards and stuff uh were constantly having to yell at people for doing shit that nobody should do like uh you know, don't don't jump off those rocks when it's only two feet deep, or and, and I'm like, you should let them. But <laughs> let oh, that system we, just work itself out. And we encountered some sea turtles, which uh, climb up onto beaches to sun themselves during the day. And Hawaii's really big on on ecology, and I mean the the environmentalism and keeping the their all their turtles safe and everything else. So. Um, what they have is they actually have rangers who will go out to the beaches and make sure i mean they they actually have a law that says you can't come within 20 feet of these turtles and you can't mess with them and in general you're not supposed to bother the turtles because not only you know is there and and i'll tie this back there is a chance of of transmitting diseases to turtles apparently this has happened but more importantly if if you piss off the turtle they don't come back to the beach and if they don't have any beaches they can come back to then they'll die out so the state of Hawaii is really big on making sure that people don't fuck with the turtles. Well, for the most part, it, it's, you know, Lisa and I would read the sign that says stay 20 feet away. And then we get, you know, go up to about 20 feet and I'm not pacing it off, but I'm kind of going, okay, where well, we're about. And then she'd get out her zoom camera and take photos of it. And one of her photos was ruined by this little Chinese kid who was probably five years old who ran up and laid down on the back of one of the turtles at fortunately there happened to be a, a warden there or a park director or what it's some dude who uh he had a, a taser on his hip and and a badge and looked real authoritative and he came up and 
you know, I, I need you to, I just stay away from the turtles. And so, you know, I, I mean, like that you pointed out with that, that he had a taser. Cause the first thing in my mind was how does a five-year-old Chinese kid say, don't tase me, bro. And then you said the guy that was enforcing it. I was, I, this could have inf- unfolded in a much uh, more interesting manner. Well, in order to communicate when you don't have a common language, the first thing you have to do is establish some concepts in in common so that you both know what you're talking about which means that the first step to the chinese boy saying don't tase me bro is that you tase the chinese boy so that he knows what tasing is (laughs) it's just an educational thing yes and then and then the kid screams and now we've started a dialogue well that is a problem with when you have a lack of a common language the the one thing i've heard about chinese people and it seems to be relatively true is they have no respect for personal space. Thus, when you have a society like that, I would assume any airborne illness is going to really propagate itself much quicker than societies that have a respect for that space. Um, I mean, really, you look at places like Chicago, New York. I mean, I understand it when you're on the subway and stuff like that, people do, do are I crowded in. No, you don't have to. Okay. It was just I, a suggestion I, here on Grumpy Old Men. I don't want to look at places like Chicago and New York. Well, Chicago's not bad if you bring your own gun, and the barbecue's good. Yeah, but we're not allowed to own guns anymore, not in Washington. Well, that's it, that's a shame. You need to rise it, up and go Washington to the is, state capitol. Why is it, uh, let's, uh, we, fun, let's get a march. Yeah. Let's fun, march fun on fact, the capitol. Washington is, is passing the same kind of draconian, idiotic, uh, Second Amendment violating laws that Virginia is, but the people in Washington, uh, at least the people in the Western Washington, are pretty much sheep who are just laying over and putting up with it. We're not getting any rallies in Olympia. Come on. I want to see like 20,000 pissed off people in Washington carrying their AR-15. I don't think there are 20,000 Republicans left in this state. <laughs> you, need to, you need to either really hunker in or get the hell out. I mean, that's your choice. Yeah. The other problem with the Chinese is MSG. There's this story has been going around again, which is kind of intriguing. This kind of brings us back to our healthcare topic because MSG and I do not have a good relationship. And it's one of these things where I keep reading these stories. And this again shows you how the media is so biased and how people don't necessarily know what the hell they're talking about because a bunch of these stories are coming out. They're like, there's no proof at all that MSG is harmful. MSG is good. MSG is a great thing to add to food. And the, the the case that the people are making for MSG are like, this is doing irreparable harm to Chinese food vendors and restaurants. And it's making it seem like the Chinese food is dirty or unclean or you know not good. And it's like, well, that's true. Not the dirty part. But when you add a chemical to it that people have a reaction to, and I'm not saying everybody does. I mean, I get this is more of an allergy type thing, more than a you know a virus or something like that. But there are people that are out there, and the stories I'm reading, like, well, there's no proof that there's a connection between MSG and any health issues. And I would beg to differ. I would put a um, I'll put this out there for if anybody really wants to believe and. Uh, if they believe that there is no connection at all between MSG and any health issues, feel free. I'll, I'll be your guinea pig. You come out and you give me something to eat that either has or doesn't have MSG in it, 
and I will tell you within an hour or less, depending how much MSG is in there, if there was MSG in the product, because I will get a migraine. No doubt about it. It's a very simple thing. It happens, you know, so you can't come out and be like, well, there's no proof whatsoever because, well, there's enough proof. I can I can show you the proof. I can show you that it actually happens. And it's within like 99 percent of the time. If I eat something occasionally, you know, you, you have a, a chip, you know, it could, any of these flavored chips, sour cream, doesn't matter what kind of flavor they're they're putting on these things. Doritos are horrible. Any fried chicken that you can get at Chick-fil-A and KFC or any of this has MSG. If I eat it, I will get a migraine. I, I don't even have MSG problems and Doritos are awful. Any kind of potato chip is awful. Do you have any idea what kind of carbs and salt and crap is in that that you should not be eating? The only decent chips that I like are the baked chips you can get at Aldi. They're, they're, it's really very simple. It's just a, just potato that has been uh, fried up with sea salt. So I've never liked potato chips. The only chips that I will eat and, and I will only do so grudgingly with lots of of cheese and melted on top and chili and salsa is tortilla chips and i'm not talking like flavored tortilla chips or doritos or anything like that i'm like the the ingredients in this is corn flour and oil and actually when i make them myself they're pretty damn good well everything's better when you make it yourself i picked up you know we got an air fryer you know i'm not a good enough cook to make that blanket statement (laughs) well you just gotta get better but as I've told the story before, I wound up in the hospital at one point with a migraine that mimicked a stroke. So people can say in Progo in the troll room, he's very active today, was talking about a podcast that somebody just did recently, swearing that MSG isn't harmful. Well, it is to some people because people do yeah. have reactions to it. Now, again, I can't, I'm, I and won't. I, do- I, I could totally relate because I get exactly the same reaction to aspartame, which means I have to watch what I drink. If it says sugarless, I have to read the label carefully. Sucralose, okay. It tastes off, but it's okay. But anything with aspartame, ooh. And that could be gum. That could be the oh, artificial I can't, I can't, sweeteners are in a lot. Gum. Basically, every kind of gum is either like, like big league chew, or I mean, there's a couple types of gum that are just straight up. This will destroy your teeth because it's pure sugar, <laughs> or it has aspartame. Every type of gum. I I can't eat gum. My dentist recommended I eat gum. I'm like, I can't because there's no gum out there that doesn't even either have sugar or aspartame and one's bad for my teeth and one's even worse for my brain and i think we at least what what is your take on aspartame so would you would you classify this as a toxin and a poison that just some people are not affected by because i mean tons of people consume (laughs) it just like they do msg my body treats it like a toxin and i don't eat it but i i mean there's there's lots of things you, you you learn, especially as you get older and start actually paying attention to the signals your body gives you. You know, when, when you're young, you don't care. You're like, yeah, I, all of my muscles hurt and, and I'm, you know, bruised and broken. But hey, let's go ahead and, and, you know, run that tube again. But when you get old, you start paying attention to the signals your body sends. And, you know, I've got a, there, there's another thing that acts as a toxin to my body, but is a perfectly natural thing to all humans in the first few months of the life which is lactose yeah true another big one and uh it it i mean my entire digestive system goes on strike and does some very very unpleasant things if i drink a glass of milk so i don't do that so you definitely don't want milk with aspartame in it no no they don't Um, like offset each other 
No, but but you know, if if I hate everybody in the room that I'm going to spend some time in, I might have a milkshake right before then. <laughs> then then they, you will. This is another case where you could be selling masks left and right. No, those masks don't help. <laughs> okay, carbon filter masks would be uh, heavy duty carbon filter masks. Uh, maybe that's what's needed. Otherwise, you may send people to the ER and. The interesting thing, I mean, a lot of the healthcare talk in the United States anyway, is around illegal immigration, which I don't necessarily know why, but this is a big part of the arguments on one side or that everybody should have access to complete and utter healthcare, which they do at this point. You know, again, you have to be able to afford it. I mean, that's a, uh, um, at least partially, because that's something we can talk about, too, that there's a lot of ways to get health care with, without really yeah, worrying but, about the bill. You know, if, if Obamacare, if he had his way, then everybody would be able to afford it because you would, you would afford health care at the barrel of a gun. Right. And you'd have to pay for it. And if you couldn't, then you would get fined, which is really an interesting thing, right? If you can't afford right. the health care, you're going to be fine. Well, here's yeah. the thing. If you can't afford the health care, you probably can't afford the fine either. Well, and, and people just don't pay it uh, dur- when, during the first couple of years when when Obamacare was released, I was not working for a, uh, a company of any kind. Uh, when, when I left Microsoft, there was a very, very generous severance package that I lived off of for a couple of years. And then Obama passed this thing with the health care. And I'm like, yeah, totally not just not mentioning that I'm not getting anything at all because because I, you know, I, I have a good relationship with my doctor, and so I, I can go up there and be like, "Hey, um, you mind if I just pay cash for this? Because I don't have insurance right now." It was fine, uh, you know. And again, I, I was following the advice that I started out the show with, which is that the only rational healthcare choice is to don't get sick. And so, you know, I chose not to break any legs or have any other medical emergencies that would have caused me to need health insurance at the time. Uh, I understand that this might not work for everybody. Not everybody has the kind of self-control to keep themselves in a padded bubble for two years. But trust me, in in terms of healthcare costs, it might be worth it. Well, yeah, it's better if you don't break any bones. But when it comes to the healthcare for anybody, if you go into an emergency room, they will treat you. Nowhere in the United States are you going to go into an emergency room with a condition that is life-threatening. Where they're going to go, eh, do you have insurance? No? Oh, well, then we can't treat you. No, you don't even need an address. In, in fact, uh, the, there are a lot of emergency rooms that are being completely clogged by people coming in with the common cold or something like that. Because they won't turn you away. Which is something that you never hear in the media, which I think is, again, totally beyond bias it really should be coming down to being almost criminal when you don't report stuff like this because this is a big part of what the left is pushing that oh, all illegal immigrants should have free health care everybody should have free health care it doesn't matter if you're a citizen but i think this is finally starting you know, to if, backfire if if we could keep the borders closed and keep people out who didn't qualify for citizenship that would even work there are places in the in the world where they have fantastic social programs and it's damn near impossible to immigrate there and and that works um because there are controls yeah 
that's not the direction I would want to go. I mean, I've had people, and in fact, this is this is where I really clash with a lot of my Republican friends. Not that I have friends, and not that anybody <laughs> in this state would ever admit to being Republican, but uh, I, you know, they'll be like, "Well, don't you think that we need to close the borders?" I'm like, "No." In in my ideal world, the borders are wide open. Anybody can come in or leave as they please, and also we don't pay for shit we you know you you come in you have to fucking work for yourself and that means that you the people who come in are going to be the ones who are contributing to society not the ones who just come in to be a drain on it yeah if if we got rid of free handouts for everybody then immigrants could come in as they please and then and then the ones who are quality people who really are going to contribute to society and work for a living and and make things better yeah great you're welcome the people who are going to come in and not do anything because they're complete losers and don't want to you know then uh, well okay then you're going to have just as tough a time here as back at home right well because healthcare is an economic issue because there are things that have to be paid for beyond even paying for your doctors and nurses i mean the hospitals have costs i mean electricity there's buildings there's all sorts of costs from you know janitorial all the way down to the machines that they need to make all of this stuff work. So it isn't free. And the government can afford to pay. If you're right, in a perfect world, the government can afford to pay a certain amount for their citizens. Everybody gets taxed a certain amount and everybody gets free health care. The problem okay, is if everybody's getting taxed, this isn't a perfect world. Well, that's true. The problem is my dad used to work for a company that was sold to a company that was based out of Canada. So we got to know the guys in Canada that own the business when they got sick or they had anything major you know thought they had cancer had to come in for cancer treatment or something they came to the united states and paid for the health care rather than deal with the canadian socialist health care because there were things like okay so you, you you oh you have cancer okay great we could get you started on chemo in like uh you know like six months how does that work for you See, that's perfectly reasonable. That is supply and demand happening. When and and the reason why that works and why that makes sense and is because if you are coming in and you are paying your own health care out of pocket, then you are making a rational decision based on the costs involved, based on the supply and demand curve. Um, the 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 worst thing that has ever happened to healthcare in in the history of healthcare at least in the US is insurance uh and in particular is the advent of uh the only the, the insurance company and the healthcare provider negotiate a fee and the only thing that the individual sees is their copay and the reason is it completely destroys the visibility into the actual supply and demand curve um when when you can't see the cost of the procedure that you want you can't make a rational decision as to whether or not you need it instead you get things like uh you know i i've got the common cold should i take this ten thousand dollar a pill experimental medicine oh sure because my copay is five dollars let's take it anyway that's that's one example um or or trying to decide do i need a purely elective surgery like uh uh butt lift yeah uh you know plastic surgery uh, uh, uh sex change uh, 
you know if if people actually had to evaluate the the real cost of a sex change then they might think about how much of a life change it is but but when you have things like uh insurance companies are required to cover that then you're like oh yeah it's a five dollar copay and it's outpatient let's go do it and my major point wasn't the fact that they were able to come to the u.s i mean it was and pay for it because that does make sense because you could do it it was the fact that they're coming from a socialist place that they weren't able to get care sir matthew in the troll room said that he has to wait 20 hours to get a checkup uh and the well, system yes. is horrible and because this is why can't, it's you like can't this legislate you cannot legislate away economics it, it doesn't it, it doesn't work like that the the laws of supply and demand will always manifest themselves on account of uh if you i mean all forms of price fixing which nationalized socialized health care single payer is a form of price fixing it is a point where a bureaucrat now tries to set a price which otherwise would have been negotiated naturally through supply and demand curves um and and when you do that you always get it wrong it is impossible for any human to manage anything as complex as an economy it just doesn't work every single person who's tried it has had disastrous economic results and in particular when you price fix any supply and demand curve you end up with perverse incentives on either the supply side or the demand side and in the case of say uk or canada style socialized health care what you're doing is you are artificially fixing the price and then as supply and demand fluctuate they can't fluctuate the price cannot fluctuate to make the other side of the curve correct for it uh so in in this case uh supply is fixed and in fact supply might even be dwindling because the price is set artificially low which means that you know people people don't go to the uk to be doctors to become rich yeah. uh you know people in america do because doctors can become rich but most the don't. result is you don't have as many people willing to spend a decade of their life in school in order to learn how to care for people there's fewer doctors there's lower supply but because the price is fixed and because it's you know five dollar copay or completely free the demand is not going down and so you have millions of people who want the supply of a handful of doctors you can't raise the price in order to fix this in a normal economic way because there are socialists getting in the way and using guns to try to artificially fuck with the price curve so does that mean that everybody suddenly gets free health care no because there still aren't enough doctors you cannot legislate that so what happens instead of the price going up the time frame of of your treatment goes up right and you have to so wait a that's long how, time that's why in any socialized price fixed medical system the you know the the quality of care may go down sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't but the one thing that when when you fix the price the one thing that inevitably goes up is the amount of time that it takes to get care because everybody feels like they are completely entitled to see a doctor every time they stub their toe because it's free why not and you're overwhelming the system and the it, even when you have a legitimate reason why you absolutely need it it takes 25 weeks to get in you know it'll be like uh i'm pregnant i need to see an obstetrician okay well we've got an opening in a year and a half 
that's going to be a little late. A little late. <laughs> Sir Matthew points out the 20-hour wait was for the ER, but that, that makes sense. That is about your average waiting time. In yep. the United States, we currently, again, you can walk into the ER no matter what, you'll get taken care of. We have a system here that is still relatively free and is working better than almost any other place in the world, which is why people from other countries come here when they need to have medical care that they can rely on. Now, if you switch the system in the United States from the current one, which Obamacare was a big push to try to do that, some of that is being dismantled now, but the people that want to make it a completely socialistic medicine system are ignoring the fact that this is not working in the UK. This is not working in Canada. And then you add to that, though. Add to this. We now want to make it open for anybody in the world to come in and get this treatment. And and all of that works if you can keep your supply of doctors high enough. That's the problem. Which you can't. Until until you start like conscripting doctors like have a have a draft where everybody enters the selective service when they turn 17 and be like okay you are going to become a doctor at the barrel of a gun and once you get through you will be forced into this slave labor camp we call a hospital to work for the state that that is the only way that you can keep supply up as long as you have volunteerism for the supply side and yet you legislate uh, you know, a, a low price, your demand will be high enough that you don't have enough doctors to serve the people who need it. So yes, when, when, you make something, when you make something free at the barrel of a gun via legislation, you will make, it, you will make the quality worse or in some way. And how do, how do the people not understand this? Let's just say the United States has well, because, pretty good health care, and they do. Where, how do you Even not understand that teach. it becomes just the price of a plane ticket? Oh, you need cancer treatment? You're in the UK? Well, it's going to be six months before you can get cancer treatment there. I'm just going to fly yeah. to the US and go, I want my cancer treatment. Everybody in the world is just going to come to get their free health care and then leave. And like you said, it works mm-hmm. if people that are coming in are being citizens that are adding to society. When you become a drive through as a healthcare system where people come in from any other country get their health woes and then leave in 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 true economic form uh what happens if if the current democrat agenda gets their way and and it becomes every the borders are wide open and healthcare is free for all is that you end up with lots of drive-throughs and in true economic form what ends up happening is the emergent property that our healthcare system becomes just as bad as every other system and because you've legislated the price away uh there's still going to be a cost to doing it and inevitably when you have thousands and thousands of people may being a drain on u.s resources and the what happens is suddenly it it becomes oh it's 20 weeks in the uk but it's 18 weeks in the u.s because the healthcare system has been completely screwed and oh actually you know what i don't need that and somewhere along the line you reach an equilibrium where the it, it becomes just as inconvenient in the us to get your healthcare here right. because they fucked up our system badly enough and i would be completely thrilled to watch that supply and demand curve work its way out and make the us healthcare system just as bad as every other socialized one if 
I didn't have to suffer from it. Right. Because I, that is what has to happen. Now I'm, now I'm getting old and now I'm, you know, I spent my entire youth not needing to use health care. And now <laughs> all these fucking millennials are coming in and voting a shitty health care system in right when I'm going to start needing to use it because, hey, they don't need to use the health care system. And I tell you what, they're going to suddenly be voting against this socialism bullshit in 20 years when they need to use the system. Well, it's the same reason why most younger people are on the left and they hate those old rich people and then they get a job, they make money and they get old and they go, oh, crap, I'm the old rich guy now. If I was an old rich guy, then I wouldn't be bitching about this because I'd be able I'd be able to fly to some other place that still has decent health care. If a place like that actually exists, although. I will say, and you can tell me what your experience has been with the healthcare system in the United States. For me, it's worked fairly well. You know, I haven't really seen any of these uh, these horrible stories that people talk about. When I've needed healthcare, it's been there. You know, hospitals are within easy reach. You can, uh, you know, I can have an ambulance here within under three minutes. I mean, it's so- it's absolutely amazing. So believe it or not, the other day when when you asked, you were like, you know, get just the way that the way that grumpy old Ben's works, a little peek behind the curtain is, uh, you know, the the long and arduous process of how we choose our topics uh, <laughs> usually involves sometime during or after the no agenda show on Thursday. Darren will be like, hey, what do you want to talk about tomorrow? And I'll usually answer with, I don't know, Gay you want to just get on the microphone and bullshit and and that and then usually somewhere along the line maybe a topic will come up or maybe so it's it's a very scientific process that we use for selecting but in this case um you had asked me what do you want to talk about and i said i don't know hey how about healthcare flippantly i'm and guessing the the coronavirus had nothing to do with it that story happened to blow up right as 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 a coincidence when i wanted to talk about this there were two reasons why I wanted to talk about this. First of all, it was actually a suggestion made from my friend Rachel, uh, who does listen and uh, works in the healthcare industry, so is a source of a lot of fascinating stories about the bureaucracy and bullshit that people working in the healthcare industry have to go through. But the other reason why I wanted to talk about this was that yesterday, uh, for the first time in about eight or nine months, I went to the dentist. Ooh, yeah now i have i have good teeth and i take care of them so i don't have the horror stories of the dentist you know there's there's plenty of people in fact i've I've heard people be like yeah i don't go to the dentist because every time i go uh the the news is bad and they always want to do fillings or something so i don't go and i'm like that shit doesn't recover it that, that doesn't fix itself <laughs> no you need to go so that you're i mean every single time the news doesn't get better if you keep avoiding the dentist i mean I guess eventually all your teeth fall out and you don't need the dentist anymore. Congratulations. But I don't think you want to be there. So I don't quite understand the the rationale that leads people to want to avoid the dentist. I understand that there might be anxiety, especially if you have genetically bad teeth. Uh, but uh, I mean, seriously, take care of your teeth. How difficult is it to brush and floss? Done. I, I, mine's a little bit more complicated because I made a tremendous mistake back in 1997 where uh i was really drunk at the fret house and went after some roughhousing went face first into a wrought iron bedpost 
Ooh, the bedpost one, didn't it? It did. And I came out of it still completely wasted because no matter how much of a shock to the system, there's only so much you can sober up. But staring in the mirror and watching blood dripping out of one of the front teeth, not not like the gum or anything. It was dripping out of the broken remains of the tooth. And I look at this and went, that's going to really hurt when I sober up. Because, of course, I was so drunk, it didn't matter at the time. I was like, yeah, that that's not supposed to be dripping like that. Um, so, suffice it to say, uh, a root canal and two crowns later, um, I have two porcelain teeth right up in front. And uh, that has led to more costs for dental work in my life than all of my other teeth combined. Uh, because I, I, I cannot stress this enough maintain the teeth that you start with because fake ones are expensive and require a lot of maintenance so i'd been avoiding getting dental work i still went in for my cleanings but uh somewhere along the line again you know because i'm doing you know private contract work which doesn't come with very good insurance in fact the my my insurance right now is is what dame Pemrose brings back from her job um i did not have good insurance last year and the in particular what what they said was uh uh it was a a dmo i'd never heard of this before but that's apparently an hmo for dentists and what they wanted was uh i said i need a cleaning and i said here's my regular dentist and they said oh i'm sorry your regular dentist isn't in network right and and if you just go to this location then uh you know whatever intern happens to be working that day will come in with a buzz axe and <laughs> take you know clean out your teeth and i'm like no actually you know what i tell you what i'm just going to go to my regular dentist and i'm going to ask my regular dentist to do my work because i fucking trust my regular dentist and i guess you guys aren't going to pay so i don't need this insurance so i actually told lisa to cancel my dental insurance because it was doing nothing for me. Yeah, dental insurance uh, rarely does. Yeah. Well, when I went in, I I actually had I was like I I submitted a cleaning for dental insurance and they said, "Well, that's out of network, so um you're going to have to uh pay against your $500 deductible." That's $500 deductible a year. Let me tell you, two cleanings if you pay cash, uh they're about $80 each. So, there was no possible way that I was going to make up the money for the insurance right. in the deductible well end of the story we ended up getting really good dental insurance so now i'm going to go get some dental work done um because i've got you know maintenance on the teeth that i broke uh which is kind of a constant thing however um i don't remember what the point was but <laughs> I, I really do this is when your rants go so far down the rabbit hole yeah. that there's no light left for you to see but the original point. Are you the, getting gold? The, the conclusion that I came to, though, is uh, insurance was actively trying to make my health situation worse because they wouldn't let me go to the, the doctor that I know that knows my teeth, that understands my particular dental needs because they didn't want to pay for it because there was some bureaucratic nonsense on the back end where they decided that these you know these people are not in network and and usually in network is the list of dentists who are willing to put up with the insurance company's bullshit requirements and and fee structure 
which is a great way for for small dentists to go out of business is paying those insurance fee structures and so uh, i made the rational decision that the insurance company needed to go because i wanted my dentist i wanted the the people who understood my teeth i did not want some some intern of the week to go in and work on these teeth that if if a dentist fucks up something then i actually will lose front teeth and that that gets really crazy and also doesn't look very good and i need i need every bit of my looks as I, that i can get you just take those front teeth make them gold you could be like a baller podcaster <laughs> yeah that'd be awesome Except that the gold doesn't conduct sound into the microphone quite as well so uh, oh yeah i guess so I, uh, it's hard it. it's hard to find a good dentist uh and we did a few a few years ago, a friend of a friend, uh, well, a friend recommended that they had a really good friend that was a dentist and a uh, really cool guy. And we do everything, had done everything cash with him. But this goes down along the lines of the, the healthcare system. And we're going to send him out lots and lots of healthcare karma because we just saw him like four months ago for our cleanings. I guess he had, uh, you know, what he thought was bronchitis that just wasn't clearing up and went in. Uh, found out it was lung cancer and he's on hospice already and he was only like 62 years old he was a, that is shitty yeah you know a really young guy and always you know runner was in pretty good health it's like i don't know what's involved with you know dentistry and if there's anything that you inhale i can only assume that for years that you know you're dealing with mercury and stuff like that so i don't know uh you know if you can point to the job which a lot of doctors man i wouldn't want the job of dealing with sick people i mean there's a lot of bad stuff that yeah. you can uh that you can be exposed to but yeah this is a guy that was really healthy and it's the was the epitome of the best dentist you could ever find because it was a little mom and pop shop his daughter worked for him and one other girl that was the receptionist he would do the cleanings he didn't have any dental assistance he did everything on his own and he has a turntable set up so he'll ask you what you want to listen to while you're getting your cleanings and he'll spin vinyl while you're getting your teeth cleaned i mean it was the you know it was the ultimate thing so it's really it's a sad thing to when i heard that he was sick and it it, it really cascaded so quickly from going in they found it was lung cancer and then he had a bunch of little mini strokes and then this caused heart damage where they had to go in and repair a valve or something in the heart. And then they're like, well, no, that's just kind of, uh, you know, they're fighting a losing battle. And this all happened within, you know, just a couple of weeks from, yeah. you know, I think I have bronchitis to, oh, crap. My, my father-in-law went the same way. Um, he was in the service in, in the Navy for more than a decade and uh, you know, smoked like a chimney there because it was the 70s and 80s and everybody did. And uh, at the end of that, he gets out and he goes back to his family and his doctor said, uh, you have to quit smoking or you're not going to be there for your family. So, I mean, I respect this doctor. And he decided that the family was important. So he quit smoking. And then 20 years later, he's having lung problems. He checked into the hospital. They said, actually, it's lung cancer. Two weeks after that, he was on hospice and a week later he was dead. Yeah, the lungs are bad. When something goes wrong there, yeah, you need those. Yeah, they're they're very important. Uh, the same thing happened with my wife's grandfather, which was you know went from relatively healthy. I mean, was in his uh, you know upper seventies at the time, I believe. And uh, but yeah, once they find something on the lung, it's usually not a uh, usually not a good thing. 
And then there was my dad, who smoked like a goddamn chimney for 50 years, including in the house, trying to fuck up my lungs. Lungs were perfectly fine till the day he died, and it was his heart that took him out. If some people are immune to this stuff, which if they could only figure out why, that would be an intriguing thing. And I, I've talked about a little bit either, uh, I think yeah, here. Well, then somebody would probably put it in a pill form and patent it, and we'd have to pay $1,000 a pill for it. Maybe, but you know, if you could live a little bit longer, that was my mom's cousin who I've talked about. I know on random thoughts, maybe here a That's, little bit, which is, which was a lady that had a pack of cigarettes in the refrigerator and remembered the day she quit smoking like 20, 30 years ago and you know, had COPD. And that's pretty much the, the thing that took her out in the end. So it's like smoking is bad. The lungs, you have to do everything you can to avoid those. Uh, I would say impurities is a nice way, but the poison that gets in. You know, like you said, things could happen 20, 30 years ago that will eventually get you. It's not necessarily going to yeah. get you today, but just like maintaining teeth and everything else, you have to you have to be ever vigilant because the teeth thing, I mean, that's a, uh, you know, I've always heard because I had a heart condition yeah. when I was younger. It's like the infections can very quickly travel. It seems like there's an expressway from your mouth to the heart. If you get a, a, yeah. an infection in the mouth. There, there's an expressway throughout your entire body called your blood. Well, yes. If, if an infection gets into that, you've got a problem. But it's even more so with the teeth than anywhere else, it seems, going as far as the heart. I don't know why. You know, you stumbled onto a, a, a point. That really? I didn't mean to. I mean, this is grumpy old beds I, after I, all. I, I understand. And that's why I have to call this out so you know to avoid it later. <laughs> uh, no, you, you brought up uh, the reason why... Um, it, it is so difficult to apply uh, macroeconomic principles to healthcare. Is uh, uh, the the saying I like to use is that uh, you know the cost of living is really high, but for some reason the the high cost doesn't appear to be affecting the demand. Right, because people still want to live regardless of the cost, and it, it makes the you know the the demand side is particularly inflexible. So I was talking about you know there are people who won't go in for a stubbed toe, and there's there's a certain level where, yeah, okay, you know, this is the common cold or this is even the flu and I've had the flu before. And so I don't need to take up a doctor's time for it. I need to just do the things that always worked for me in the past and get over it. But there's a very large number of medical things where you need somebody's attention to deal with it. And that, that really does mess up the, the supply and demand curve. But uh, still, there's a little bit of flexibility in it, and and that's that was my point earlier. Is that if you, you know, people should not be seeing a doctor for the common cold, and also a part of that a part of that problem is prescriptions. Um, you know, I have uh, I have another uh, chronic health problem called gout, um, which is uh, if you know what gout is, you know that that's no fun, and and I'll take your sympathy for it, but uh, I'm I'm keeping it managed, but. The way that I manage it is is one of the only prescription drugs that I take regularly, uh, which is a medication that controls my uric acid levels. And I understand gout, and I understand uh, exactly how to control the uric acid level with drugs, and I understand there's a there's a particularly hardcore anti-inflammatory uh, called colchicine that you take as the the frontline defense when. Um, I end up having a, a gout flare-up. Colchicine is prescription only. And so if I have a gout flare-up, 
um, what I do is I have to call my doctor and my, I, again, this is a matter of having a doctor you trust. Um, I will describe to her and she knows me well enough that she understands this. Um, if, if I start detecting the signs, I will call my doctor and I'll say, okay, I'm seeing this, 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 and this, I think it's gout. Can you prescribe me some coltacine? And she will. But the reason is that I have a really good rapport with my doctor right. where she knows that I understand the signs and that I'm not planning on, you know, abusing prescription drugs. But the weird thing about it is what if colchicine were just available over the counter? What if I could just go to the supermarket and pick it up without even having to call my doctor and take up her time? Is there a then, reason anybody would want to take this besides having gout? Well, it is a very powerful anti-inflammatory, which means that if any other inflammatory stuff, it does work for. Um, however, it also has very powerful side effects, which is to say that if you use it for more than about a week, um, it will fuck up your liver badly. Uh, and then after the liver, it'll fuck up your kidneys. And you do not want to take this long term, which is the reason why it's prescription only. But I, I don't know if you're familiar with what gout is. Yes. Okay. Um, when you are having a gout flare up, you don't give a fuck about your liver or kidneys. You just <laughs> want that pain to stop. And so this is by far the most useful thing at that moment. And the only reason I can imagine it's, it's prescription only is because you can really destroy your body if you abuse this stuff for, say, a headache or, or for sports injuries or sprains or something like that. Right. Uh, I personally think that's okay, but we're in a society where any form of risk must be managed by the government, and I don't agree with that, but that's probably the reason. But I'm just thinking, if if I need some coltacine, I have to take up some of my doctor's time in order to get her to write a prescription so that I can go get the medicine that I know I need. And I know starting that phone call exactly what I need, where I need to get it. The only thing is that there's bureaucracy in the way. And so I have to take up some doctor's time. And how weird would it be if I didn't have to do that? And like I said, we've streamlined the process because she knows that I'm, that I understand this, that I've been through it. And also that I'm not the kind of person who just begs for drugs for no reason. <laughs> in right. fact, she, I once had a procedure where she'd prescribed me some Oxycontin and I took one of them and I fucking hated it. It makes me loopy. It fucks with my head. I never took another one. I ended up giving them away to like my mom or something. Who wanted, you know, you, but which of but, course um, would be then, illegal. Well, of course it is, but who cares? <laughs> um, and, and then, you know, later she's trying to prescribe this to me again. And I'm like, can you just give me some 800 milligram ibuprofen? Because I don't want that stuff ever again. <laughs> well, you saw, did you see that acetaminophen California wants to consider this a carcinogenic now? Yeah, well, um, oxygen and nitrogen are, are known to be causing cancer in the state of California. True. But you're right. You do need a good relationship with your doctor, which is hard to do if you don't go in for regular checkups, which is something that by law now, which, again, like, there's things that are good and things that are bad. I mean, I would rather have none of this under government control. But with the insurance now in the United States, you get one wellness visit, which means you can go in for a checkup and not even have a copay. Because they want people to go in and they want people to understand that the more their doctor knows about them. And of course, there's it's bad if you have a bad doctor, you know, private data and all that. But the more your doctor overall knows you, they can tell much easy, more easily 
what's wrong and how it needs to uh, be treated. I've had the same issues when, you know, when you come down with something like the flu, it's really easy. They've got a portal online, so you don't even have to make the phone call. You can go into the portal and be like, hey, let the doctor know I've got 101 fever. Uh, I've got congestion, but it's clear. And here, you know, whatever symptoms you have. And if it's something where they can go, okay, we'll just start you out on and whatever to mitigate your symptoms. They can uh, they can decide whether they think you should come in or if it's like, okay he's got the flu. Let's give you some Tamiflu or something like that. So it makes the system a whole lot easier. I've talked a little bit about the issues that my dad's had with constant UTIs and stuff like that. And he's got another one now, which sucks. But the um, you start getting the symptoms, then called up the. Um, urologist and they're like well no that doesn't sound like a uti we'll just we can get you in you know like all these doctors now we can get you in in the, how many weeks the next appointment with the doctor and then he called up his normal doctor who's the same doctor as mine and they're like no bring in a bring in a urine sample and they found out immediately that he had a uti so this is a case of you're going to the specialist and it's probably just the girl at the switchboard that kind of blew him off with no no that's nothing to worry about uh we can see in a few weeks and luckily that he has a doctor that understands his history understands what he's been through understands that he has a propensity to these kinds of things and went well you know it would be a hell of a lot safer just to bring in a sample it's not that hard and they can do a simple test and find out what the issue is and i mean i really have learned a lot about the healthcare system from my gp because he is a uh, you know not much older than us he's in his 50s and he's very outspoken he came from a european country where his you know, a lot of people in his family still live over there and he's seen socialistic medication uh, medicine he's seen what happens he, his grandmother he said at one point this was over in uh, yugoslavia i believe that you know she was 80 something years old was having trouble breathing whatever it was called for an ambulance and got oh well how old are you and she tells him well no you're just a uh, study baba i think was the word you're an old woman we we, we we're not gonna come <laughs> and it, he's like well i had to call a friend of mine who was a doctor there to go and get her care but this is what happens it's like oh you're having trouble breathing oh you're 80 something years old you know you're gonna die soon that's what socialized and, medicine comes and, to. And clearly, old people don't don't have the desire to live that young people do. Is that is that kind of the rationale? I think so. It's like you're closer yeah. to the end. I mean, that you're going to have problems. So can't you just uh, don't overload yeah. our system by wanting medical well, yeah, care? But, I mean, okay, I I might have I might have lived a while, but that doesn't mean I don't still have shit on my bucket list. Can you fix this? <laughs> oh yes, I still want to. I mean, and again, I can rant, and I know I have a little bit before for i, I the, wish you would you know unfortunately i i didn't have the insurance that i do now the insurance that i had when the ike stuff started with me with the retinal detachment well it started as a retinal hole was a insurance that needed my gps okay and he would he said you know hey anytime you need stuff i i can fax it to you immediately well i went into the retinal specialist he didn't have the didn't have the okay yet he didn't have the referral so he's like well we can't you know do anything until we get that and rather than saying hey maybe we should get this right now from your doctor who was literally like a block away and it could have been faxed over immediately instead of that it was like well come back 
you know, in a couple of days and we'll do that. But Facts. yeah, within a couple. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. You know, they could use a fax machine. That's a thing where they can take paper from back and forth. Uh, yeah, but, but you understand most of our listeners don't know what a fax is. I think most people know what it is. I mean, we don't exactly have a, you know, 12 and under audience. But, you know, with that said, I, I kind of get the feeling that if that wasn't the case, I'd still have vision in the right eye. Because two days later, that's when the detachment had started. So we had to go through detachment surgeries rather than it was just a hole that maybe could have been lasered up. But, you know, I digress. You live and learn where you're the only one responsible for your own shit. I guess, you know, I should have sat there and said, you know, hey, I don't care how much it costs. I mean, uh, you know, either I'll go get the referral right now and you can do it or I'll just, you know, bill me. You know, I mean, that's yeah. uh be like in in the time that it takes you to get all of these insurance approvals i can go get myself a mortgage at the local bank can we make that happen then yeah let's just make this let's just fix this and worry about how it's paid for later thanks right that you know that would seem to be the the better way to go about it but uh you know it's one of these things where everybody's worried about the insurance and uh you know my doctor hates what's become of medical insurance the minute Obamacare started, he's like, well, go read this. This is all just this is all just BS, you know, and it's all just um, you paying for other people is what it comes down to. And we understand that. And it's it's a pyramid scheme that's never going to pay off. The patients get screwed. The doctors get screwed. In the end, everybody gets screwed because medical care, the quality of the medical care goes down the tubes. You know, it's fascinated me how much. You know, by and large, millennials who, at least the ones that I saw, um, loved everything Obama did, and that included Obamacare. And the people who were shouting the most for Obamacare for socialized medicine back in the day were all people younger than me. And I never quite understood. Like, do you, do you even self interest? Do you realize that that as an old geezer? I'm going to get way more of your money through this system than you'll get of mine. Well, that would take logic. It's the same when they want free school, they want free everything. The concept of free everything sounds good until you realize free things still have to be paid for. Or, or you get free stuff that isn't worth having. Yes. Darth Radar in the troll room so, says grumpy old bands, two old men yes. comparing medical issues. We're, we're That's being what we're ridiculed. doing. <laughs> well do you want to talk about vaccines no no not quite yet i do want to just talk <laughs> okay. about one other thing before we get into the vaccines which is again the concept of getting medical care and the cost i went through five retinal detachment surgeries and then also needed gallbladder surgery all within you know a few months which was a whole lot of fun are, are those two related no okay <laughs> they aren't related but uh, unfortunately happened at the same time and the insurance picked up a majority of everything but there were hospital charges because the hospital charges as with anything that's where a majority when you're going through any kind of surgery it's going to be billed through the hospital and i just want to point out to anybody that has to have something done at a hospital or really anything medical that is going to give you a massive chunk a big bill that you don't always have to pay it there are there are options and this is something that a lot of people don't know you get the bill from the hospital and you just think one i need to pay it two a lot of people just call up and say you know we can get 
give me a payment plan and they think that's the best they can do. No, you can negotiate with hospitals. It's very easy to do. Sometimes uh, it was much easier with the one hospital that I dealt with, which is where I had the eye issues as opposed to the different hospital where I had the gallbladder surgery. But once they realized you were asking for the department that maybe they don't like to talk about, they gave me the information and you can go through and one, try to negotiate. And a lot of times it was just right off the bat. It was like, well, I could give you 10% off if you can pay that today. I'm like, well, no, I I don't. I'm looking for something more than that. And I think it got down to 20% off if you pay it today. But then I put the thing through because I'm a poor podcaster. And after all the eye surgeries, I wasn't, it was normally a self-employed web designer. So I was doing no work when you can't really use your eyes. The web design work, I wasn't doing any work. So my income for that period was pretty much nil. So I went through to the hospital and they're like, well, fill out these forms. I filled out the forms and about four to six weeks later, it came back that the, you know, six grand or whatever it was that I owed the hospital, which was the maximum out of pocket on my insurance. They're like, ah, we'll just write it off. I mean, it was great, but you have to ask and you have to go through the system. And if you have the money, they're not going to do that. But if you, you know, really are having a struggle paying the bills and it's a pretty big chunk, know that you have options. The, the lost art of haggling, yet another thing that they are not teaching younger generations anymore. Yeah, it's like, just go ask. Millennials don't like any sort of conflict, and it doesn't have to be conflict. It's like, hey, they'll just have you fill out some paperwork. They can, you know, take a look at your financials. I mean, you know, if you have 500 grand sitting in the bank, they're going to go, well, no, I think you can afford the 6,000. But if they're like, oh, look, uh, yeah, we maybe we can we can help you out. They, they've got it within their uh They've got it within the budget for the hospital. They don't yes. really need your money. It it doesn't take much, just a, a little bit of a closer look to to determine whether you can apply the phrase blood from a stone. Right. If you know you're never going to get it, I mean, at least you know, people are being honest and upfront and saying, hey, and if not, then you can definitely negotiate a better rate and you can always negotiate a, a payment plan. Because one thing I believe with medical bills as long as you're making payments of some percent, and I don't know exactly what that number is, but I don't believe they can send you to collections as long as you're making payments. So always know there are options out there. But you want to talk about vaccines? Want? <laughs> you need to talk about vaccines. Uh, well, you feel the need. I'm, I, I, yes, I, I feel the need to reach that, that point in we're what 47 episodes in now i think we've reached the point where uh we need to start poking cancel culture and get ourselves just you know labeled as all of the most horrible things in the world um i think in this case uh you know anti-vaxxer is is the pejorative of the day freedom loving uh, yeah well that that also is pejorative in these days um let me just lay out my position on on uh uh, vaccination and you know uh, the the big thing and and this this actually when we started the show it was the the current huge healthcare story and we kind of avoided it at the time mostly because i didn't want to do current events but also because that was a goddamn third rail was measles um there was in in fact in my state there was uh, a measles uh quote-unquote outbreak uh, it, it was a, an epidemic. It was, you know, all of the, 
the scary, horrible terms that, that the mainstream media uses to make sure that you live your entire life in a state of constant butt puckering fear. <laughs> um, but the measles was the big thing. And uh, what I kept seeing in, in, in a place that I really don't go anymore because it's horrible and was fucking with my amygdala uh, was Reddit. And seeing on Reddit the number of threads every single time something came up about measles. Oh my God, another person has been infected. This brings the total up to 31. 31 people amongst how many? What? But epidemic, epidemic. We're all going to die. Um, everybody was pushing for mandatory vaccinations. And in fact, it has been it initiated kind of a backdoor way. With things like uh, a lot of public school systems, including my local one, now uh, will require that you provide proof of vaccination before they will let a kid enroll in the school. Um, which is some scary shit, considering if if you know anything about what is being injected into your body, um, you know everybody knows the the classic anti-vaxxer line of oh oh you know measles the measles vaccine mmr causes autism um that that seems to be the it, it it is the conspiracy theory about it and and i don't know if it's true or not there's certainly enough evidence to make me ask the question but i'm not here to assert that vaccines cause autism right. i'm i'm here to assert that we should be asking the question which is not happening and it, it goes to the same complaint that i have about uh climate change alarmism the same complaint i have about a lot of things which is uh y you may realize you might not know this um i i am generally in favor of freedom of speech did you know that you know i've gotten that vibe a little bit over the first 46 episodes but i don't think you've really ever been clear oh well, uh, just just to be clear, I, I'm in favor of freedom of speech. I if if your if your retort to a concept or idea is to try to limit the expression of that idea, your position is faulty and you're probably wrong. Um, the the problem that I have with the vaxist movement, the the vaxist religion as it may be because it this is not science this is this is people practicing scientism which is the the doing everything but declaring it to be a religion and claiming to worship science do you believe in climate change do you believe in the you know and and shun the non-believer and you know silence the heretics and and the you know it, it's it's nefarious the all of the worst things that we've identified about religions about formal religions where they are uh, xenophobic they are distrustful of anybody who doesn't share their beliefs we are seeing with the modern secular religion of science these days and uh, in particular what i have seen manifest in the realm of vaccine lots of time is somebody asks the question uh is the measles vaccine safe and immediately that person is labeled an anti-vaxxer and uh the you know some of the more uninformed type people unfortunately whom i've seen on reddit um which is a terrible place and you should never go there and neither should i but if you're going to keep going to twitter then i have no choice but to go to reddit so <laughs> Um, 
but is is to shut down you know the, at a minimum shut down conversation about it uh you are not allowed to ask these questions you right. must you must believe you must accept you you must know that the vaccines are safe and i i, I gotta tell you there's a lot of evidence that these vaccines might not be as safe as we all claim they are uh you know not least of which being the you know because we can't we can't have studies that say that a vaccine isn't safe it's not possible to do these studies it's exactly the same problem with climate change which is that anybody in the field who does a study which concludes other than the the popular narrative um they're not going to be in the field anymore they'll lose their fucking job they'll be like you know you've you've published a study that says that it's not as warm as as we thought it was well you're you're done you're out of this industry you'll never get a grant again and people don't do that people like their jobs in general and especially you know if you're in a field where you just studied for 15 years in order to get where you are you're not going to throw that all away so nobody publishes a study that says anything other than the narrative the result bad science same with vaccines well that's you because cannot- science is never a hundred percent and are, are we are we right back coming back to what we well, talked about earlier with the aspartame and with msg it relates i think to the vaccines which is maybe it's fine for 95 99 percent of the people whatever it is but there is a portion that is going to be negatively impacted by it and because science is never a hundred percent well it i i I don't even like i don't even like talking about what science is and isn't Uh, i i when i was a kid when I was in school, I was taught in in my fourth grade science class um, a, a methodology for acquiring data called the scientific method. The scientific method is is just so that you've got a refresher. Uh, you the first thing that you do is you observe the world around you. You ask a question about the world around you. Hello, world. You yeah you 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 see something. You ask a question about it, you do some research to find out what information that you have or is is available. You you familiarize yourself with it enough. Uh you form a a very specific question that can be answered with an experiment. You conduct an experiment and then you analyze the data to find out if that data lends any further uh, uh knowledge or or confirmation right to your hypothesis sounds so fair th- that's the way science works is science has to start with a question i don't know something about the world and therefore i want to find out and then it moves on to a hypothesis and then an experiment and then analysis to decide whether or not the hypothesis was correct or not that is the scientific method and the the fact that the very very first thing in the scientific method is you have to ask a question you have to decide that you don't know something and that is the antithesis of all religion because in order to maintain control of a religion if you are a religious figure if you are a bill nye or a uh you know uh what what's the dude's name mike tyson no uh <laughs> neil deGrasse tyson yeah neil tyson yes mike tyson sure um if you are the religious head of of a religious order like science 
you don't want people asking questions. No, no cult leader ever wants somebody asking questions because that leads to independent thought and independent thought leads to people straying away from the cult. So you don't talk about do, you know, do you, you know, do you have any questions about whether or not climate change is, you know, is no, what, what you're at, you demand of people is you must believe. And that is not science. You've left, it is science in name only. It is the religion of science. And so when somebody says, you know, well, does science control blah, 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 or does science do this or does science do that? Well, science, the way I learned it is a method for acquiring data that starts with skepticism. And so it's not a person, it's not anthropomorphized, it doesn't do anything at all. It is a way that you create and acquire new knowledge. And so the rhetoric around it just drives me nuts, which is probably why I just spent 10 minutes ranting just about people saying science is something. But vaccines. So here's the but thing. Vaccines. When they then say, I mean, I understand both sides to a certain extent saying, well, we think you should be vaccinated and nobody's forcing you to at this point, although they're forcing you in the way of, well, if you want your kid to go to public school, yeah. which I'm not really sure I there, get, because here's the thing, forcing. a vaccine is allegedly supposed to keep you from getting a malady of some sort. So let's just call you. We have a vaccine for Sir Bemrose. And if you take the vaccine, nobody should ever get the Sir Bemrose disease. So if a kid doesn't have the Sir Bemrose vaccine, why shouldn't he be allowed to go to school with everybody that already has the vaccine? Because even if the kid comes down with Sir Bemrose, all the other kids had the vaccine. So how is it endangering them? Is what I don't well, get. The, the two concepts that are, are bounced around is uh in in true leftist style you must always think about the minority and and you have to base all of your arguments on uh compelling emotionally charged stories and in this in the case of vaccines it's always about the small minority of people who can't get the vaccine for some reason or another usually because their immune system is shot and vaccines are uh despite being a hundred percent safe apparently not safe for certain people well, right which means they're not 100 percent safe and so so you have to t first you have to start by telling emotionally charged stories about the person who can't get the vaccine and then uh you bring in the concept called herd immunity and this is herd immunity is is the idea that uh in in an aggregate group of people and this is another thing leftists love to talk about is they love to dehumanize people by ignoring any possibility they might be individuals and only talk about people as groups um and and any group of people will have a percentage of people who are vaccinated and there are actually statistical studies that show that in you know there has to be a a certain per, above a certain percentage then even if a virus is introduced um there aren't enough people in the population to spread it around right and, and you know that that particular what is the appropriate number uh depends a, on a lot of cultural things for example if you're in china where uh everybody is constantly sneezing on each other and and spitting on the sidewalk and and there's also about 120 people per square meter um it's you need a lot higher because it doesn't take many people to spread a, a, a disease um if if you're in a place where it, it's if you're more rural if you're you know the the herd immunity numbers are like 95 percent. those are the ones that are usually bounced around by by stories that call out this 
um, which is about the right number for in an inner city in America, um, given American culture and the average density of inner cities. Um, you know, if you go out to say uh, a Walla Walla, Washington, or uh, you know, bungfuck Missouri. Um, oh come on! When you go Walla Walla, Washington, you then have to go to Kalamazoo. There's that whole song. I wasn't born in Kalamazoo. <laughs> we're not sure you were actually born. You might have been hatched. <laughs> I I might have sprung fully formed from the forehead of my progenitor. Some people believe that could be the case. Yes. Well, in a lot of rural areas, uh, you know, the the percentage of people that need to be vaccinated in order to prevent the spread of a disease might be only ten percent, or twenty, or thirty, or or even zero if the population density is low enough. So that it really has an effect. But but herd immunity is once you have a high enough percentage of the people vaccinated or or Im- not necessarily vaccinated but a high enough percentage of the people who are immune to the disease right. then the disease stops spreading it's the natural uh defense against any disease and you know way back in history the way that you acquired a herd immunity was that uh everybody had got the disease once and recovered from it and so all of those people who recovered had an immunity and so you know, you had a natural immunity of say sixty or seventy percent just from people who already got to the disease, and therefore it would only spread once. You know, a few old people had died off, and a few young people were now born, and the the whole concept dropped. But the the herd immunity concept is is you will definitely hear that as the trigger for saying, well, we have to mandatory vaccinate because we have to get our herd immunity up above ninety seven percent. Of scientists or whatever in order to make sure that this disease can't spread and yes it would work if we got that but the side effects of effectively forcing everybody to have foreign substances injecting injected into their bodies at the barrel of a gun is is so catastrophic for individual rights that it should be a last resort and shouldn't even be a resort so you mean the left when people are coming over the border they're not injecting them with all the vaccines well no they're they're giving them free health care and expecting them to come in for the vaccines themselves yeah and and maybe i mean when when they get after they've got their free health care and free id and and voters rights maybe they you know they get free enrollment in our taxpayer funded schools and then maybe they might be forced to have vaccines but not to pay taxes no no because they're not citizens only citizens pay taxes <laughs> shut up slave it's a hell of a system but it, yeah. it's, it's interesting i mean if you look at this from a strictly scientific standpoint again a vaccine for um, any imaginary disease and if you say okay if you're vaccinated with this 99 Point nine percent of the people vaccinated, it works fine. Things are good. There are no side effects, but it kills the other point one percent. Is this a good yeah. thing or is it not? I mean, I get it. It's like you you roll with the odds because it's like, well, yeah, we well, want to be if, immune if from you, this. As long as you never think about the individual and only think about populations in terms of a group, then hey, ninety nine percent is pretty good, and it's okay that we're we're destroying somebody because you know 99 percent yeah the the only yeah 
this is this is totally a a lesson in propaganda because it is something that you will see used whenever somebody wants to make a point and you will see glossed over when it makes an inconvenient point is uh if any time that somebody in a mainstream news story or or is is telling a story about one particular case um if you you know you'll see this a lot in in human interest stories in the news where uh this is the case of of so and so they just got the vaccine and it turned out they were in the 0.01% right who reacted to it um if somebody is telling you that story they are trying to persuade you counter to statistics and if somebody is hiding that story they are trying to persuade you in favor of their statistics that that it is it is propaganda it is a a form of of persuasion where if you you know because obviously you you know statistically speaking if, if you wanted to be statistically equal you would tell that story and then you would tell 999 stories of people who were perfectly fine but those stories aren't interesting and so you cherry pick your story to make sure that this is you know it, it yanks on your heartstrings that's the other thing is if you ever have an emotional response to a news story somebody is trying to propagandize you and and fuck with your uh, you know with your decisions yes go back to random thoughts on bias emotional yes. bias very very nasty stuff what people pull with it and 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 things like vaccine uh every single time that you hear a story um you will see you will see a story about uh you know somebody who uh because of a pre-existing condition couldn't get the vaccine and and then a kid who was unvaccinated got into their school and somehow this person instantly died of measles even if the kid never had measles and we don't know where it came from it doesn't matter because once you connect those two then of course you're in favor of mandatory vaccination and I don't know how much we need to beat this this concept into the ground again. I could I could tell you about uh, you know Tatiana Obukanich. There no there is a a researcher um, whose name I have written in my notes and I'm not sure I can pronounce it. Um, who comes from Eastern Europe and she was one of the people who came out with an actual study that said uh, there actually is a statistical uh, a non-zero statistic that. Uh, the MMR vaccine is causing uh, some of the problems people say. And that was the last anybody ever heard of her because she <laughs> was immediately, the moment the study came out, she was fired from her university. Uh, she was uh, disbarred or whatever, thrown out of, of whatever doctor's guild she was in, uh, researchers. Um, she could not get her face on any news store news venue more reputable than Infowars ever again um she was her entire career and it was just destroyed because of this and anyway like well yeah that's the same thing going on with climate change you can't be a you can't be a, a meteorologist can't be a scientist and come out and say well, well no this, this man-made climate change is really not true or it's nowhere near to the amount that it's being pushed because then yes it's cancel culture and you disappear which you really it, it this comes down to things and we've said it a few times on grumpy old beds growing up 
You never thought you were going to be. Maybe you did. I never thought I'd be the one like, hey, I'm a conspiracy theorist, man. Those are always people you kind of laughed at. Like, oh, yeah, they're. No, it was pretty likely I was going to be. <laughs> you were, is that what you were voted in high school? Most likely to grow <laughs> up to be a conspiracy theorist. I can, well, I, I, I like that. I said, I took those lessons to heart where it said in order to do science, you must first question everything. And I, I learned even at an early age that it turns out that many most authority figures don't like being questioned. And and they're okay with the things if if you question something in such a way that they think you're going to come to the conclusion that they've already tried to teach you, then they're all for questioning. But in general, if you question things like, why should I listen to you? Authority <laughs> figures aren't real happy with that sort of thing. Because I was elected. Yeah. Or because I, I, allegedly. Here's, here's another lesson. As long as I'm handing out lessons in how to identify propaganda, anybody who says, because I say so, or because authority figure says so, and that is the limit of their argument. Their argument is bad. In fact, there's a name for it. It's called the appeal to authority fallacy. It, it, you know, anybody who says, well, this is obviously true because so-and-so is an expert and they said it. That's an appeal to authority fallacy. It is not a valid logical argument. Um, you, you are very, very va valid in questioning that and saying, yeah, but why are they saying it? You, you have every right to say, okay, but why are they saying that? Can I see the evidence? Can I see the reasoning behind it? And if, if somebody refuses to provide that and say, no, authority figure said it, they're probably wrong. Right. I mean, we all remember Barack Obama saying, no, no, you can keep your insurance. You can keep your doctor. And the minute Obamacare well, went into effect, that was... He He's a politician. The moment he said it, I knew that it would be wrong simply because he said it. But these are the kind of things. Well, that the climate change, I think, is still the best example of this. With and anytime somebody says the science is settled, you know, they're not then a scientist. They're wrong. they're wrong. Science is never settled. That's you. You, you know, it, it might be pretty confident. We have a pretty good idea that that this thing called gravity is is set. And, and that's really what they mean. But it's never settled. You are always, always able to do more experiments. That is the absolute truth about the scientific method is that you can always investigate further. Now, yes. and by doing experiments, there, there might you be get high more data. Confidence. There might be high confidence that your data will agree with what's already there. And, and, and that's the, the argument that people are trying to make. But when they say, it's settled. It's done. You can't do any more. What they're doing, they're not. They're not making a scientific argument. They're censoring you. Yeah. That is censorship. That is. And and again, if if you're the best argument you can come up with is to tell people that the argument is over, your argument is bad, and you're probably wrong. Right. Which is why, but there's no face of vaccinations yet, like Greta Thunberg, because my thing has always been with greta if you have to take a 16 year old middle school or high school dropout whatever she dropped out of and put her on the stage to make your case rather than you know scientists who there's, have there's a name for that tactic as well it's called appeal to emotion right again bias and it's and, a fallacy yes you know if that's who's if that's who is giving the message i would you know i can't even 
take any notice and I can't take Greta seriously at all. I believe she's being abused by her parents and the whole system around her. But if there was somebody that, you know, again, had a degree at you know one of these better schools, I mean, I would think that would give me a little more uh, pause, at least a reason to go take a look at them. You know, if somebody graduated from Harvard or Yale or MIT and they're a scientist and they come out and say, well, here's what I looked into. Here's what I found. I would at least listen to them. But I have not seen one real scientist being pushed out there by the people pushing for climate change. It's all politicians and it's all people like Greta who are trying to do nothing but push the emotional buttons. And that tells me they know that the whole thing is bullshit. You know, at least I guess with the vaccination thing, we have a pretty good idea that some people have bad reactions to it. So that is the case being made for, well, if you force everybody to get it, this could be a death sentence for whatever small percentage. And we understand that's true. Whether you want to play as a parent, which is unfortunately where this comes in, because this isn't usually an adult making a decision whether to get vaccinated, although I know they're working on one for the new Chinese uh, coronavirus. But usually it's a parent deciding for a kid whether or not to get them vaccinated. What, what, what do you want to bet that the, the moment that some company has a prototype vaccine, the very first one out the gate that probably won't have been tested at all? And certainly not fully because there's not time. The moment that that happens, the Chinese government is going to start forcing mandatory vaccinations because the Chinese are all about authoritarianism and they just believe when their government forces them to do things at gunpoint. Right. And people want the, the millennials want that here. Now they want this. They want speech to be limited. They want everything to be free. They want the government to be our mommy and daddy. And to tell us what to do and what medication to take and make our decisions for us because it's just easier to live that way, I guess. The other the other big issue that always has to be mentioned about vaccines, and, and this is a little more on the conspiracy side, but is is definitely a, a valid concern that people should at least be aware of is uh the and of course I forgotten the name of it the act that was signed by uh was it nixon um that or no or was it reagan one of the uh, there is an agency where and, and a system where any company that produces a vaccine uh cannot be sued for the results of that vaccine if if some if some company produces a vaccine and that vaccine kills 100 percent of people who take it the company cannot be sued that that's actually legislation that that has been put into place in the United States, and um, it, it is that kind of protection. Uh, it, in fact, if somebody is utterly destroyed by a vaccine and you can prove it, the most you can do is appeal to the federal government, and the federal government has set aside tax money that they will give you hush money to shut you up and pay you off so that you can you know, now have a little bit of a nest egg put away while you're permanently maimed by this vaccine. Um, that, that makes that, sense. That, that's the closest you can possibly get. Uh, so in, in the United States, you cannot hold a vaccine company accountable. And, you know, and talk about perverse incentives. This is one of the reasons why we have seen things like a company trying to come out with a stop smoking vaccine or, uh, 
a vaccine that blocks alcoholism or uh, things that are not, you know, vaccine is originally was um, a, a very specific technique of stopping a virus by tr- causing your body to produce antigens against a weaker form of the virus. And there's no virus that causes alcoholism. It's a psychological disorder. There's no virus that causes you to smoking. It's an addiction. But if they can, through propaganda or clever marketing or whatever, if they can get it called a vaccine, they immediately get legal protections that say it doesn't matter if this kills every single person who takes it. And in fact, it doesn't matter if everybody who takes it explodes into bloody shards that kill everybody else around them. We can't be sued. So we're good. That That would be a really cool plot for a movie, but I'm not sure that I want to see it happen in real life. (laughs) I don't know. That could be a lot of fun. But, but therefore, um, I, you know what? You don't have to believe that vaccines are actively harmful, but this is absolutely a form of, of blocking. You know, when, if, if, a, if a company comes out with a new type of candy bar and that candy bar is every single one of them, the key ingredient is rat poison and it some or, or asbestos or something. And every single person who can eats this candy bar gets cancer within three years every single one and they can prove it that company can be sued into oblivion that is a normal check and balance that is one of the reasons why you don't put rat poison into a candy bar but it's so tasty however you don't have that check and balance you do not have the incentive to not poison people if you're making a vaccine because you can put anything you want into the vaccine you cannot be sued you cannot be held accountable for the people you destroy if you destroy people the worst that can happen is people stop buying it well you've also literally like one of the main ingredients in a lot of vaccines these days is mercury you you want to give a little review of what mercury does to a person's brain when you ingest it no if you'd like it's not good but you've made you've made the case on why the uh, gout drug shouldn't be allowed over counter poisoning that was the one that's so people could use it. If you if you were able to buy this over the counter, it seems like you could probably slip that into somebody's food and like fry their liver within a few weeks. And and every year uh, during the start of flu season, uh, my local Safeway, they have a big ass banner that they put across the front of the store. The text on this banner is larger than the word Safeway on the front of the store that says, get your flu shot here. Okay. If, if that isn't marketing propaganda, I don't know what is. And well, that is, of course, because they make money to give you the flu shot. Yes, yes. Safeway makes money, and the company who's giving Safeway the shot makes money. It's a big business. Um, it doesn't mean the flu itself, shot's bad. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you you shouldn't get the flu shot. I'm telling you you should be skeptical whenever somebody tries to market at you so hard that the word flu shot is bigger than the word Safeway on the front of the building that is some hardcore propaganda you're being hit with maybe you should stop and think is is this necessarily good for me or is it only good for the people who thought the banner needed to be that big well i don't think that is the case but i do understand when it's something that everybody is let's say everybody needs something every year doesn't matter what it is it's if you need a new toothbrush 
Well, of course, everybody wants to be the one to sell you that. You know, I have a general uh, doctor GP that is very much believes in the flu shot and says, you know, get one. If you don't get one and you get the flu, don't call me. I mean, it, I guess that's it. fine. You know, right. but uh, I've, I've had the flu before. I know how to deal with it. I know the symptoms. I know what's up. I'm not calling my damn doctor. I'm just going to go take some some acetaminophen and stay in bed, which, of course, is going to be a carcinogen. And yeah, I'm not you. in California yet. So <laughs> it's, it's only a carcinogen when you cross the border. It's it's amazing how that works. Well, or when the border moves up here, because enough Californians have moved out here. They're they're working on voting to turn my state into California. Well, that's because they love you so much. They just want to uh, to bring you within their borders. They want to annex you. Maybe not. I don't know. So, I- yeah. Bottom line um, about vaccines and you can apply this to climate change you can apply this to anything where people say the science is settled and you need to shut up about it is uh, do vaccines harm people i don't know maybe maybe not there's evidence both ways um but but the real thing is i don't know and you don't either you don't know Why don't you know? Because nobody is allowed to do good science. There's a lot of bad science coming out. And we are in a we are in a society where we are not allowed to ask the necessary questions, which are the first step in the scientific method in order to get science, in order to get real science, good science, in order to apply the scientific method. The very, very first thing you have to do is ask a question. And every time somebody says you can't ask a question, you cannot get good science out of that. Nobody can get good science out of that. Do vaccines hurt people? I don't know. Maybe. Possibly. But wouldn't it be crazy if we could actually find out instead of just shutting up every single person who even brings up the possibility? And go ahead and apply that exact same argument to climate change. Well, it is. Or anything that people are trying to convince you of. If somebody dares take i mean this used to be a thing you know i'll be the devil's advocate in this argument we've come to be a society that if you take the other side of an argument that a majority of the people believe in you're now not just trying to cause more thought and learning on the subject by giving a different point of view you're now just a pariah who dares go against what everybody believes dares goes against the science and and we just can't have that. But that's why we're here at Grumpy Old Beds. We're here to ask questions. We're here to talk about topics. I'm just here to bitch about things. Be, well, you like to beat a dead horse, which could probably throw some bad things into the air. And if you inhale yeah, I was it, going to say dead, dead horses carry diseases. Yes, you want to. You don't want to beat the dead horse. You just get away from that dead horse. It'll be a lot healthier for you in the long run. But we do have two executive producers on today's show. And we appreciate we work in the value for value oh, battle oh. as learned by we're, we're we're skipping my last segment. Well, you have another segment. How, actually, you're the guy I that had, complains that these shows go too long. And yeah. then at like the two hour mark, you're like, but wait, I still had more to say. Well, OK, I I wanted to start something new and rational we, thought. Well, no, no, we, we can't have that. <laughs> We'd be deplatformed instantly. Um, No, I. I actually, uh, because of the topic, um, I, I went ahead and looked up. We've never been into, uh, we, we've never really been into current events on this show. In fact, uh, the we, we talked at length about this coronavirus, which is 
as close to a current event as as I think we've ever really discussed on this show because it just happened, and that wasn't ever even the intent. But I thought about you know obviously you know you rant about current events on on random thoughts, and and I don't have a podcast that I do on my own where I get to bitch about current events. So I just wanted to do do a, a real quick thing where what I did was right before the show I went out to uh, Bing News and I looked up. Healthcare. I just wanted to see what are the big stories. Now, 70% of the big stories with this coronavirus, we already talked about that, but I just pulled three headlines and I want uh, real quick to give you the headline and then get your your reaction and see what do you think and is there any bitching we can do about this? Um, So the first headline that I pulled was uh, California threatened with funds loss over abortion coverage. Uh, now, this might take some explanation. Um, California has passed legislation that requires that all insurance plans in the state will cover an abortion. Um, and there is a, a, a law. It was actually an amendment to a funding bill for health and human services. It was called the Weldon Amendment. Uh, that bars federal health care funding from being provided to states or entities that practice discrimination against a health care organization on the basis that it does not provide, pay for, provide coverage of, or refer for abortions. Uh, it's a bit of a mouthful, but what do you think so far? It sounds like California. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is, again, you're going to force people to do things they don't want to do because you have a certain ideology that you want to push. Okay, so you you got it. You you got where I was coming from. <laughs> well, yeah, because that's uh, you know again, there are certain things when you're when you're dealing with healthcare, there are things that are self-induced situations, and pregnancy is one of them. You know, I'm not. You know, it, it's not a well. It, obviously, California is not requiring that everybody get abortions as much as that might actually be good public policy in California. They have too damn many Californians, but they're not requiring that. But if you want uh, one, it's going to be what, paid for. What they are saying is that if you have health insurance, the health insurance must cover an abortion. And and the the funny thing is that this is actually limiting the rights of the insurers. The insurers are not allowed to offer an insurance policy that doesn't cover abortion. Right, which could and, save people money, and it, it, yeah, it could. But I'm not sure. I, I I'm not sure I get any other benefit to that, other than you know why why would somebody want a healthcare plan that doesn't co- yeah, that doesn't is it a selling point to say well, we actually don't male. cover a particular procedure? Yeah, you can be a male. Well, yeah, again, but but I don't care if if it's exactly the same price for a healthcare plan that covers abortion or one that doesn't. Um, why do I care? It's not a service I'm going to use. I don't know. Uh, but the the other interesting thing I noted was the Weldon Amendment was passed in 2009. Um, do, do you happen to remember the political situation in Washington, D.C. during that year? Well, it's always a shit show. Well, yes. But uh, the president was Barack Obama and both the Senate and the House were controlled by Democrats. Right. A rarity. Yeah, a yeah. rarity. It was Obama's first term. It was a landslide. Everybody hated G.W. Bush so much. But it was amazing he didn't get the stuff done he said he was going to do when he controlled the House and the Senate. Well, because he didn't want to. 
Oh, really? I'm, I'm speculating here. Okay. <laughs> Next headlines. Uh, the, these two are a little bit less deep. Um, uh, and, and again, I just, what I did was I, I filtered out the, all of the coronavirus stuff because I didn't want to think about it and just grabbed three headlines that showed up in the news thing. Uh, how about this one? Uh, why Floridians are fighting over sunscreen bans? There's a sunscreen ban in Florida? So there are two chemicals which are found in a lot of sunscreen, uh, oxybenzone and ox, uh, octinoxate. Um, these chemicals through one study were shown in one study to contribute to coral bleaching and of course uh whenever somebody puts sunscreen on and then goes and swims in the ocean some of that's going to wash off ends up in the water and uh there there is you know some evidence again one study probably never been confirmed um that says that it fucks up coral so the city of Key West has decided that it is going to ban any sunscreen that has this stuff in it. And then Jacksonville or wherever the, the uh, leaders of the state government of Florida have then implemented a state law that said that no individual city or county is allowed to ban sunscreen. <laughs> the, the politicians are fighting. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just, it was fascinating to me. Uh, the other thing that I'd note about that is that Hawaii has had this ban in place for years. Um, every beach that you go to, they, they have a big informational placard and infographic up that says, you know, among other things, what sunscreens are totally banned, what sunscreens you're allowed to use. And then it actually gives some pretty good advice, which says, you know, the, the absolute best sun protection is to wear a fucking shirt. And not be in the sun. And don't come to yeah. Hawaii. That, that might be it. <laughs> Stay in Seattle, white boy. Okay. This, yeah. uh, this, this segment isn't working. Um, but I will, I will throw out the last headline that I pulled up because you might like this. Um, there is a... Uh, uh, the, the headline is, MDMA is now a step closer to legalization for PTSD therapy. Okay. I, I had no idea that anybody was considering this for... For treatment of PTSD, but I guess it makes sense. Y you know, MDMA, that's ecstasy. I mean, I guess it would make people <laughs> happy. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's maybe that's all they need. You want to go to a rave. Maybe PTSD is really just a diagnosis for unhappiness. Right. You just need to rave some really loud music and drop some X and uh, your health problems will either just be starting or totally finished. I've got nothing to say about this story, but the, the headline fascinated me. Apparently they are, they are looking at acquiring FDA approval. Some, some group of psychologists or something have a, submitted it for FDA approval and are looking to have approval by 2021 so that they can prescribe it for therapy for PTSD. I thought it was fascinating. It, well, you see the country and the world moving in a lot of different ways. You look at what's going on with marijuana in united states you know not that long ago totally illegal everywhere now well you could just buy it you don't you know for a while there was well if you had a doctor's note but even then it was illegal but now you can buy it just over the counter for recreational use even here in the great state of illinois so things well, you, are changing you, you've always been able to buy it in the back alley for recreational use yeah and i think you could probably still buy it in the same, back same alley mdma cheaper 
no taxes, probably better stuff. Just saying, when the government gets involved, people, do you really want the government to be involved with your weed? Think about it. Fletcher. What was it? 2014, when we we started getting legal weed sales in Washington, we were one of the first states in the entire nation to get it. And and now that most states have recreational weed available in some form or another, we have by far the most expensive in the nation. Why? Because in order to get it passed, the government demanded their pound of flesh, and there's more taxes on weed here than there are for cigarettes or gasoline. Taxes are good for you. Didn't, haven't you caught <laughs> on to that yet? Sorry. I was choked on my cat up here briefly. Well, that's the, more of the cat's problem than yours, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, it's an interesting idea for a segment to have a few headlines to bring it in. Do a little talking headlines. And uh, maybe maybe let me know about segments before the show. <laughs> that maybe would be, a, uh, or maybe a better idea. But we still have to talk about the that, value that for value model. Some, that would require some planning. Yeah, I know. And nobody wants do to do that. that. Um, but we have an executive producer of Sir DB of the 20 Meter Band coming in once again. Says, happy to support another round of grumpy old Ben's. And we appreciate that. As well as Sir John Fletcher of the Hog Story Fletchers, hogstory.net, live Monday nights on the No Agenda stream. He comes in yet again with his monthly donation, and we appreciate that. And if you're not listening to Hog Story, you should probably just listen to us instead, because it's a our Grumpy Old Benz is a much better show. Well, we don't have nearly as much Buford tea. That's true. And it was a Karma King over on uh, No Agenda Social, the Twitter replacement that can help you keep your sanity. He had a theory that Fletcher was only doing Hog Story to get a pretty girl to talk to him, and I can't either confirm or deny that. Uh, I, I, there are a lot worse reasons that people podcast. <laughs> That's true. I mean, uh, Fletcher is a pretty girl, and I'm podcasting with you. Huh? I, I Fletcher's way smarter than me, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I. I don't I don't get it, right? Are are you jealous? Yes. <laughs> I think so. I want I want to trade. Can I trade Sir Bemrose to the Hog Story show for Carolyn Blaney and a, uh, yeah, a prospect to be named later? <laughs> you are listening to Sir Bemrose, whether you want to or not. And a lot of people feel that way with grumpy old bands, but some people like the Sir Bemrose rants. And for you, we highly recommend you go to grumpyoldbends.com where you can subscribe to the show on a wide variety of platforms even email so you never miss a show and you can click the donate button or you could read our p.o box address if you want to do that route and we even have a bitcoin address there so any way you want to get a donation in to grumpy old bands we're making it easy for you and we appreciate everybody that's donated to the show we appreciate everybody that is subscribing to the show leave a review if you can turn a friend on to grumpy old bands and this little train just keeps on rolling. I know you thought we were going to get to like 50 and just totally crash and burn. So we'll, we'll know I'm that. Still, I'm still convinced that that at 50 shows, you're going to say, ha ha, April Fools. That the, you thought you were a podcaster. Yeah, you thought you were a podcaster. And show 50 is literally going to be a love fest, I think, because it's on Valentine's Day, you pointed out. Yes. So, get in your get in your grumpy well, old it's scheduled for Valentine's Day, Valentine's unless one of us Day. decides to. Uh, to bring on a guest host and randomly have a Saturday show. Well, that that happens as well. 
But maybe we have to cover like online dating or something like that for Valentine's Day. That could be an interesting uh that can be an interesting yeah, yeah. Two De- guys who definitely aren't. a topic for two old geezers who've been each been married for more than a decade is online dating. Yeah, we need to bring somebody in. Obviously, somebody out there. If you're in the I, grumpy I old Ben's audience, to you the state you of have- online dating in 2003 because that was the last time I did it, and I ended up finding somebody driving down to Houston, picking her up, and then I brought her back here and married her. Well, there's was, a story did she, there. Did she want to be dragged back to Washington or was this like by force or uh, it's, it, it's not like these are my decisions to make. Oh, well, okay. So we know who's yeah, running, I, I, running the I, show. anybody, anybody who listens to some of the other shows on the no agenda stream where, where Dame Pemrose makes an appearance should realize by now that, that when it comes to decisions like that, I'm not the one making them. Grumpy old Benz also has a Twitter account now at twitter.com slash grumpy old Benz. Fuck. <laughs> I know you'd like that. I, I think I, I think I started that up when you were in Hawaii. I, I went back. I had an old show I was doing with a buddy of mine called Common Man, Common Sense. And the, the account was still sitting there. It hadn't been posted on in, I think, since like 2011. And there were like 600 and something people following that account still. And I'm like, yeah, what the hell? Just change the name, change the uh, you know, everything over to Grumpy Old Ben's. And I just have to remember, I need, if anybody has a good recommendation, I want to just go to like one place and be able to post to all the different tweeters and, and mastodons and all that at once. If there's an easy way to do that, you can also reach out to us on email, Darren, D A R R E N at grumpy old Benz.com. You know, I Ryan, bet there's an app for that at grumpy old Benz.com. There's an app for absolutely everything. And Sir Bemrose will tell you, you just damn well don't need the app, but that is what you get when you listen to Sir Ryan Bemrose. So I think that covers everything. We got the address. We got the place you go to donate. We have a PO box email we have a new twitter thing and we're looking for anybody who want if yeah if you want to come on as a co-host and talk about dating on valentine's day feel free to reach out to us as well because i think it'd be an interesting topic or we could just talk about dating and the whole concept i mean we we each did it back in the 80s and 90s so i mean we could we could be so on topic we could be right up to date with that but yeah with that said until next time I am Darren O'Neill, coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the snow is coming, so I'm probably going nowhere. And from America's left coast, where the health of the nation is second only to the profits of the healthcare industry, I'm Ryan Bemrose. You're just grumpy. A little bit. <laughs>